And of course, it asks the question, as you'll see, there's one plastered on the outside of this part of the building, and there's one on the other side of here uh, as well to encourage people to get the message. What is the best news you've ever heard? Which is a, a question we'll be putting to everybody. And there's no doubt that uh, this series of themes we will be following through the next seven weeks. There's the dates of the various uh, aspects of it. Follow through the good news. What is the good news? And it explores each aspect of it in quite some depth. And if you haven't had a chance or haven't been able to reflect on this, do come along on, on uh, Wednesday or any of the Wednesdays you can to follow this through to understand better what that great news is that has been brought to us. But let's look at what the passage says. In Mark's Gospel, as we've heard read to us, it tells us that it's the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Good news. The uh, Bible is, as some of you might know, was actually originally written in a language called the Koine, a version of Greek, which was widely circulated around the uh, world of the Mediterranean, widely spoken. It was like English was today for many countries. And um, uh, so when they looked at the word, it was, the word in Greek was evangelion or evangel. And of course, the word angel is at the heart of that. And the angel is a messenger, someone who distributes good news. And so that is the word that was translated in Old English to the word God spell. God means good, spell means story or news. And of course, now our modern translations usually use the word gospel from that word. And if you've heard of the gospel, that is the message. The good news, which is what it simply means. And it describes that Jesus proclaimed that good news of God, and he said, the time is fulfilled. He's basically saying, now is the moment. All this preparation, and it's ready to go. The kingdom of God is at hand, he's saying. Repent and believe in the good news. And then, uh, in the few verses below that, he starts to call his team together of Hostels, and he tells them, I will make you fish for people if you follow me. Uh, and some of you may even remember the old children's chorus that uh, we used to sing that backs that one up. What is this? It tells us everything we need to know about this good news. Look down here. It tells us where the good news comes from. Who is the owner of the good news? It's God who owns the good news. He's got a message. That's who it's from. How could any news be more important than a message direct from God himself? It is the good news of God. But then, what is it about? Well, it tells us up here. It's the good news about Jesus. It is a person, the Lord Jesus, who is at the center, the very focus of it. People study religions and then talk about Christianity as if Christianity was a religion. That is a lie. Christianity is not about religion. Religion is man's formal rules and uh, practices and all the behaviors they do to try and gain favor with God. Christianity has nothing to do with religion in that sense. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus. It's as simple as that. You're not being brought into some club or holy huddle as you come to church. We're trying to share Jesus 
and that you might have a relationship with him. And if you do, that you might grow in that relationship with him. It's as simple as that. It is not a religion. It is a relationship. And that makes it quite different. It then tells us a little bit more about Jesus. It describes him as the Messiah. The Christ is the word that is the Greek word. Messiah is the Jewish word. The Jews expected a king, a, a special king from God who was specially anointed, who would take authority, rule the world, make all the bad things go away, and bring good. And that is the title that Jesus carried, as the uh, video reminded us. It's not a surname like mine or yours. It's a title, the king, the Messiah. And then it describes himself, it describes him as the son of God. This person, Jesus, isn't just a human being, but he is that, because if you look down here, it says that uh, Jesus was described himself as the son of man. You'll see that further down in the gospel. I've got it on the screen there. He described himself as a human being, the son of man, but then here it tells us he's the son of God. What happened with Jesus is that God and man were fused together in Mary's womb. Joseph was not Jesus' father. God was the father, and by his Holy Spirit, God brought Mary's, uh, Mary's um, uh, egg together with the seed of God that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was both at once and in, 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 in indivisibly so. And so we have this great news, and it describes that time is fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is at hand. How could the kingdom of God be at hand? Dead easy, because the king was there in front of them when he presented himself in Galilee and around Israel. When you've got the king there, the kingdom is with him. And so the, uh, you know, every time the queen, I don't know if you've met the queen, I did it once uh, when I was in the army, but it, you know, the point is that when the queen comes in, they play the entire national anthem. They have, as the opening of Parliament, have her crown in front of her whenever that's required because the whole of state is embodied in that one person. And when, therefore, Jesus comes into your life, the whole of the kingdom of God is presented because you've received the king. The third thing that this uh, introduction shows us is, again, quite fascinating. It tells us, when this is going to happen? And the answer is quite simple. It's done. It's at hand. In other words, it's now. Jesus has come. And as our little uh, 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 verse on the, the side says, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. He is alive today. Now, there are various things that people say, well, do you believe in God, or how do you know God exists? And one of the arguments, we use different arguments. We say, historically, we know that because he did this, this, this. But the big argument I usually say is, uh, how do I know God lives? Well, dead easy. I was talking to him just a few minutes ago. Because when you're in a relationship with God, you can talk to him, you can pray to him, you can hear him in his word. And then the fourth thing I think we can pick from this is that this passage also tells us what our response is. In fact, that's the whole point of the uh, gospel or good news of Mark and all the others. It is quite simply that 
This is the good news, who it's about, that's Jesus, and what we must do. How do we respond? And it tells us here quite easily, repent and believe and follow me. As simple as that. Repent, what does repent mean? Well, it's actually a military command, which means about turn. But if you were to translate it for modern hearers, the word repent simply means change your mind. Whatever direction you think you've been going, change your mind and instead put your confidence in Jesus. Believe. That's what the entire message of the good news is about. And follow him. I'm sure some of you, looking at some of your faces, you're even older than me, and I can tell you that is old. And you may well remember, when I grew up as a child in our living room, we never had, well, I say, we didn't have a TV as I was growing up. Yes, they were invented. I, I just, I'm not that old. Uh, um, I think it was the Queen's coronation was the first time people got to see lots of TVs in this country. Uh, and um, I was born that year. But um, we still didn't own one because only the rich people did. And we had this big walnut box in the corner, an enormous thing. And... Um, uh, it was an old-fashioned radio with huge valves about that size in it to make the thing work. And on the screen, it said things like Hilversum and Moscow. And if you tuned it carefully, there was one channel in English called the British Broadcasting Corporation. And that, of course, is what we call the BBC. There weren't any others in English at that time. And so we used to get these and broadcast them. And, of course, we would listen avidly because that was the source of our news every day. Well, in 1930, after the radio had been going and it became so crucial during the war with Churchill's famous speeches, but in 1930, on Good Friday, April the 18th, uh, at quarter to seven at night, the news came on. And on the 18th of April, this is what the news said. Can you imagine that today? There is no news. <laughs> I mean, my phone keeps beeping every few seconds to tell me there's news, and it's not. But that was the experience. But this, of course, for us, is that there is news. There is good news. I'm just going to show three slides to bring the good news into a very short space so that we understand the nature of what is that good news. But good news is only good news in context. What do I mean? Why is it good news? Because the rest of the world is throwing up bad news. And we need to understand we're in a bad position. And we just need to look at our bills that are coming in, at COVID that is still making its way through the country, at the wars that are going on in the world, and also the dictatorships and the bullying tactics of many and others. And of course, fleas and lies even at the heart of our own government at times and contradictions. Lives not lived well. In other words, this climate that we live in is a climate of bad news, which means that the good news, when you hear it, is so much more powerful. However, the good news about Jesus must start with the bad news about us, which is this. Again, it's in Mark's Gospel. When Jesus looks at people's hearts, what does he find? All these kinds of things, murder, theft, immorality, adultery, and so on. And he points out that it's the human heart that is bust. 
It's the emotions, the drive, and the things within us. Something has gone wrong, and that thing the Bible calls sin. Now, God, of course, created man in his own image. So he was perfect. But man chose to rebel against God and go his own way. And so we've been doing that ever since, shaking our fists, doing our own things, and not listening or obeying or following God's will. And that the Bible calls sin. And the middle letter, of course, of the word sin is the letter I. And that is a challenge because each one of us knows it goes to the heart of the problem, which is the problem of the heart. And that brings the wars, the fighting. And the Bible elsewhere describes that the wages of sin, the outcome, the consequences of sin is death. Not just physical death, because we all will die. Can I tell you 100% prediction? Every one of us in this room will die. And are we ready for that? And are we thinking about that? Are we making provision, and above all, provision for our place in the future? Because the bad news has to be understood first. Now, in the context of that bad news, we then realize just how brilliant the good news is. Because it tells us about Jesus, the Son of Man, as I said, described himself. He identifies with us. And he didn't come to be a king that is served and waited upon. Instead, he chose to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. The God-man went, and instead of sitting on a throne, he allowed himself to be placed upon a cross. And above all, he then allowed that the sin of I, me, you, our world, be placed upon him. And he took that full punishment and paid the ransom himself. That is clearly the best news around. And the clear thing that you get from the Gospels is that that sin can be forgiven. And that's what Jesus declared to these men and women. Because of they repent, they change their mind, they believe, and they uh, follow Jesus. That's the Gospel in a nutshell. I'm just going to finish with a little thought, and I'm sorry for those of you who have heard this one before. I have no apology in repeating it, because it says Jesus called his disciples and he told them, follow me, I will make you fish or people. The point of becoming a disciple of Jesus is to pass the news on. If you've got good news, the first thing you probably do is you put it on Facebook and you type it and share it with all your friends. Baby born, hey, look at that, just looks like his grandmother. And you know, that's the kind of thing we all want to share the good news and get it out there. And that's the whole thing. And the Bible describes it in Romans that the good news is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Well, that's a tremendous message. The power, the word power in Greek, is the word dunamos or dynamos, and we get an English word from it, which I'm sure you've worked out, dynamite. The good news is explosive. It, it changes people that you couldn't think could ever change. It, it cleans people that their lives change. Their minds, their filthy mouth changes. Their heart is white. It's the amazing power that the good news brings. And I'm going to show you how it works. Here is how you can bring the entire world into the good news and to Jesus. And you can do it in your own lifetime. And I'm sorry if you've seen this before, but I must say, this is what the 
the drive of Mark's gospel is about. If you were the only person in the world to have met Jesus, as Peter and John and others were, and you were to set about a task that in January of the year you would pray for one person, just one, and you would visit them, you would um, share some things with them, gain their friendship, as you probably already had, and introduce them to Jesus. Maybe send them in a Christianity Explored course, so you could do that, or at least this week you can, and um, introduce them to Jesus. If they became a Christian by believing and repenting in Jesus, at the end of the year, there would now be two of you. It's a simple bit of logic. Now, what if in year two, the two of you got together and said, well, we will both do the same thing again. I've shared with you, you share with somebody else, I'll go and share with somebody else. And at the end of the year, they had the uh, um, joy of being able to share the good news and bring one more person each to Christ through sharing the good news. How many would there be at the end of the year? Well, it's obvious. Four, because the two would have doubled. Now again, if I take that to the third year, I hope you're getting the principle here. I'm going to explaining the principle. But if the same group of people now shared the good news with just one person each, uh, by the end of the year, if they uh, had, uh, had, had found uh, people come to trust Jesus, there would then be eight. So it's simple arithmetic. You can work it out for yourself. If that was to happen for another year, for year four, how many would there be? Shout it out. Well done, 16. And if the same process happened for the fifth year, how many would there be? Shout it out. 32, we've got it. Now I'm going to set you a mathematical puzzle. I want you to keep this going for another five years. Right? Two times, three times that. And by year 10, don't have to be exact, all right? I don't need to know the exact digits at the end, but roughly how many people would there be by the end of year 10? A round figure, maybe? Oh, 1,024. He must have seen this. 1,024. So in 10 years, the multiplication, if you just share the good news with one person each year, and those who you've introduced to Christ do the same, would go up a thousand fold. Guess what would happen if you did it for another ten years and everyone did the same? Yes, it would go up a thousand fold. A thousand times a thousand makes one million the population of Birmingham would have been led to Christ in just 20 years. And by the way, how many would you individually have led to Jesus? Just 20. One each year. If that was to go on for another 10 years, what would be the rough figure that you would expect to have been brought to Jesus? Sorry? One billion. India is 1.3 billion, China 1.4 billion. There's only two countries in the world with over a billion. The current estimates of churchgoers in the world for Christianity is 2 billion. So 31 years. Work out 32 years, 
and then work out 33 years. After 33 years, you would come to 8.5 billion. The present size of the population of the world at the last calculation is 7.9 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how we bring the world to Jesus. One at a time. The good news doesn't have to be broadcast from vans, satellites and sky dishes. It's one to one. It's a virus. It's passed on one to one. Now that's what the good news is about and the fact that it should be shared. So I'm going to finish there, but I hope that gives the flavor of what Mark's gospel is about. There's a great urgency about Mark's gospel. You read the word constantly, that Jesus did something, and then immediately he went and did this. At once he went and did this. We need something of that urgency. So the question is, where next? Where next? If you aren't registered for the course, please do come and do so at the end and, and, and join in. But above all, share it with others. Bring the good news to others. Introduce them to Jesus that they might introduce others. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great news, the good news of Jesus and what he's done. And we ask that we as your church, as your people, and those who are friends and relatives and others might hear that, might respond might repent and believe, and might know the joy of following Jesus all their lives. Give us strength, courage, and enthusiasm for your word and for your people. And we pray particularly this coming week as the Christianity Explored course starts, we ask that the doors would be wide open and many would come and respond. Hear us, O Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.